0: welcome to Seize the GM.
1: If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help.
2: And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt,
0: we
1: are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face.
2: We have our ideas, our opinions,
1: and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello and welcome back to seize the GM. Congratulations. You have survived another week. We applaud you. We applaud you all over the place.
2: Or perhaps more than a week or less than a week, depending. But for our scale, it has been an amount of time since you last heard from us. And we're very happy to be back.
1: Well, considering, you know, I, I, I bought a lot of Halloween candy. And just in case. And there's a lot left over. And I've been in a candy coma. <laughs> but I, I'm sorry. I don't care. Like the little mini freaking like Reesey Reezy pieces. Oh, my gosh. You need a handful of those.
0: I we I don't, We're not talking about. Candy. I've actually been really good. I didn't buy any extra and I didn't buy any to begin with because they had us pretty much on lockdown.
1: I mean, I did too. We did too, but you know, sometimes just in case because sometimes, you know, kids. So I didn't buy a lot, but we still had stuff in the freezer. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll have a Reese. And then like, I'm going to have another Reese's. And then I'm like, we're out of Reese's. Uh oh. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, hey, I, you know, couldn't costume much, so I waltzed around in a, in a uh, flying squirrel kigurumi, and I felt Halloween-y just enough. Okay. You know? And I'll be honest, the, even though with the whole lockdown, I, I'm loving the fact that so many people on our block, they decorated for Halloween, even though they knew that, you know, the, it, it, you probably couldn't do much, but they, they really went out just to give this, Aura of like spooky, creepy stuff. You know, one guy had had lights going in in a weird flashing pattern and had spider webs. And and another person made it so they, depending on where the lights were, you'd have different shadows thrown to give such an amazing, perfect Halloween atmosphere just so we didn't kind of lose the spirit of it. I loved it. I Mm -hmm. I love the people where I live, They, they want to give an atmosphere for even every holiday. So for Christmas, it's the same feeling.
2: Well, it sounds like you've got a whole lot of life that's in that block of yours that, that people can see.
1: Well, not just, and it's not just with the, uh, you know, given an atmosphere, given a personality to the, to the neighborhood, but when you would see people just staring at them, you'd have other, like, you know, walks by and they'd give like the thumbs up to the people and they're like, they're bringing out their trash you know, letting them know that also that they appreciate that effort that they went into to give that Halloween atmosphere. I loved it.
2: That was my sly, low-key attempt to get into our main topic.
1: Which Sorry, is... I still wanted to brag about my, about my neighbors. <laughs> but yeah. Which is actually
0: breathing life into locations.
1: And here's, we're not saying, I know some people might take that as just like, oh my gosh, you know, like the, it's Beauty and the Beast where the furniture's alive. That's a possibility, but we're talking more of the, you know, like you walk to a place, like an old library, you get a feel for it.
0: Well, there's that old adage of location, location, location. And this is not lost on us this time, as we are actually going to talk about using locations in your game.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And the simple fact is all of these games are happening in a world. Your players are somewhere, so how do you describe to them where there is and and what makes something memorable? Kind of like we talked about NPCs before and ways to really kind of amp up your NPCs to be memorable and and a, a part of the world. How do you do that with the world itself?
1: Yeah, and the thing is, though, that there's a lot that you can tell a story to your players without them having to talk to a single person. You know, it's storytelling through environment. And that could be sometimes almost as impactful as them running across a a poor, uh, poor individual that's had the crap beaten out of them right outside of a town that has, you know, and they're talking to the person they tell about, oh, this is a bad town. You can do that just by, you know, describing the sounds, describing the atmosphere, changing the weather to fit it. Yeah. It's, like it's, a, it's a town where the sun never quite seems to reach. You know, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry, I'm still in a Halloween mood and I'm not giving it up. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> I've actually
0: found that whenever I'm actually running a game, that I actually use a uh, more is less approach and sometimes it can work really, really well. Sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of the times it seems to work better. And I found that if you build up like an important feature or features and then let the players fill in all those little details because their imaginations will start to fill in all of those, especially if you're like, you know, building on things, that's an easy way to let, you know, you can just hit those big key points and then kind of let everything else get filled in so each person has their own view of the city, which is how most locations work. And one person will pay more attention to something than someone else. So, And the neat
1: thing about doing that also is, you know how way back in days gone past, we talked about your different types of players? Well, some people might be able to interpret more from the people there. Some might be able to get more from the architecture. and. Seeing what kind of questions they ask of what do we see or what do we hear what do we smell right it also give you one it's a great place to put in little you know plot hooks if you want you know you can you know it's it's not super duper well hidden but it's you know it's a it's a fish hidden under a pile of leaves but the other thing that allows it to do it you can see what type of things easier players kind of glom onto how do they think how do they interpret and build upon what you've given them. So, you know, as you describe stuff, you're like, okay, he's keeping an eye on, all right, how everything's built. All right. Do you want to describe like the really hard angles of all the streets, stuff like that? And the person's walk, looking about like the population describe, are they in fast moving? Are they kind of like, uh, end of the day, drowsy, no one has coffee.
0: Right. Now, This is, now. this is just the beginning when I'm doing it. So I'll describe those couple of, like, feature or features. And every time they go back, I will add something because one of the other things that I'll do is I'll ask the players what stands out to them in the location or what are they most interested in it. And then I'll start adding maybe a point, you know, a thing here or there, and over time, they'll have this very rich tapestry of what this place is. Now, if you want to find a way to ratchet up tension, start taking those elements out of your descriptions, and don't explain it to them as to what's happening, or why those features are no longer prominent.
1: And see as you're moving, what kind of questions they ask. You know. Well, but
0: that's like, the thing. Like, if you want to run something that's that really r- starts ratcheting up tension in a game, you take a familiar location that they're very well versed in, and you start. Oh yeah, that that's not really there anymore. You know, whatever that thing is that they're like. Oh, I want to go over to the bar. Yeah, the bar's not quite like you remember it. And just leave it there. Don't explain any further. <laughs>
1: Yep, but they'll they'll, they'll
0: tell you what's wrong with the bar.
1: Or they'll start asking questions, leading Mm -hmm. questions, where you can like, well, why don't you go check it out? And you can get – and one, it's a great way to either confirm or confirm, lift, or subvert expectations. Yeah.
2: And something to do when you're setting up your your world, your plan, when you're kind of having to do this either in advance or on the fly – I like to kind of lean into a single theme or identifier in locations to really make them pop. It's okay if there is the capital C, creepy location, and the capital R, rich location where everything revolves around just a single signifier or theme, and it helps you keep it straight in your head. And then you can add on those little bits like Zen's talking about when players come back, and and, then like Jules is describing but you've got that core you can always go back to. So whatever gets added on plays into what you're working with.
0: Yeah. That's actually a really good idea for that. I had never even, (laughs) I I mean, I may do it, but I don't think about that when I'm doing it. So that's a, that's a good one for, especially when you're trying to develop a lot of locations within like a city. Because cities are so big. And the players may not see all of it at once. So, you know, you have, you've got some time, but if they go into certain areas, like, you know, they run from this location to this location in the city, if it's all just another urban sprawl scene, you know, that can get really boring pretty quick. So doing this is a, is a slick way to, to help build-up character of each location.
2: And the other thing i like to do is, is kind of tie the location into a person. Be it an NPC or a PC, that location can reflect parts of the NPC's personality and get identified with them. If you've got a PC with a particular background or interesting facet, you can start kind of using that as a hook to a location. And that... Is another kind of, I think, easy way to jumpstart describing something.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm ready for that one, go ahead.
0: But no, yeah that that is that's a great way to to do it too because some it's almost like that uh, those pictures of like you know. This is the dog and here's the owner, you know, and you can kind of tie th- how they tie those together and you can use a person and a location kind of in the same way. Like, not necessarily like exactly how they look, but, you know, give a feel for what the location is based off of the person that's, you know, tied to it. That's another mm-hmm. good one. hmm I like it.
1: Yeah.
2: So what do you use those locations for? I mean, when you're trying to do this and, and we're talking about breathing life into them and making them kind of pop for players and for your worlds, what do you think about the locations used when you're kind of setting this all together? Well,
1: <laughs> you've heard, you <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Uh, for starters, the thing is, you know, when you're trying to get everyone on the initial buy-in, you know, it's like, you described almost kind of what they'd expect but as events happen as the world turns around around the party around the town and everything is like nothing is static so certain things change there's a party there's a festival there there's been a funeral and everyone's mourning you've got to make the the it's not just okay it's a generic town a and it's the same thing it's not like like pleasantville you know it's like there's different things that'll happen that'll change it a little bit and it kind of gives the players in a way to kind of buy into that this isn't a static place you know there's a flood sometimes or there's been a drought or you know there's been a new baby born stuff like that you know no, so you feel like that a- totally error mm-hmm and then you, you build up the world and have it breathe and move. It's just like, what's happened in your town? Like, has there been an arrest? Has there been an accident? Has there been a, a new roadway that, you know, just went live and all the construction's finally gone? You can use that a lot in cyberpunk games. Tell. It's just like, roadwork is the bane of everyone's existence. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Zen?
0: Now, now, here's something else. So we've talked a lot about, like, kind of locations within, like, a city. But what about locations that are not actually tied to a, a city, but another maybe feature of the landscape itself of the world?
2: Well, I mean, pastoral is still a theme or identifier that, that I can use to kind of describe the rolling hills and kind of the, the expanse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about the identifiers of the themes that has to be urban or, or city-bound. I mean, a mountainous region has a lot of options, and if I want, to, you know, make sure that whenever they go to this area, they're worried about an avalanche or a rock slide. Treacherous mountain is a thing.
0: Yeah, indeed. <laughs> but that's what I'm. You know, we've we've talked a lot about how some of this stuff is really can be is usually tied to a city, but not all games occur within a city. A lot of post apocalyptic games never really stay inside of a city because the cities are way too dangerous. So you'd rather try to survive out in the wilderness where it may not be quite as dangerous. And that's an easy way to start, you know, building the. That's one of the reasons why I like using lexicon because it can give you ways of describing things in different areas and different types of people even to make that all kind of work. And it forces your players to kind of think outside of the norm when you're describing locations to them. So that's kind of how I like to try to do more with a location, even something as silly as like, you know, it's a dungeon. Well, what, you know, can the dungeon be different? than others completely because <laughs> I've had some where like if you look at the way that they were like from a published adventure or something and they're they're really kind of cookie cutter and they may put one or two like things in them and those one or two things as the person running the game those are your kind of keys to hone in on as important factors or features of the location and start applying those to everything in it Mm -hmm. and use those read as goofy as it sounds read that box text that's in published adventures you don't have to use it but at least read it because a lot of times that will start to give you those important features because the the developers are giving you hey we think this is an important thing about this location so like i have tons of adventures that i've gotten because i just rip the bits and pieces that i want out of them I don't think I've actually run more than maybe one or two from beginning to end with any kind of, you know, consistency because I don't like how they're designed. I want to do something different with mine. So that's why I pull the pieces and then I can plant them in anything I want to and make those locations even more about wherever I can place them. And that way I have a bigger chance to bring those locations into this bigger story that I'm trying to tell that wasn't there beforehand. And so I can take it and, and fiddle with it as it were until it fits what I want it to do.
1: And the, the other thing, and you know, I've, I've talked about this prior is that, uh locations do take on a, a personality based on the events and the people that have lived there. So if you're wanting to kind of change something that you know already has like a personality and a feel and a life to it, have an event there uh, cause and, and have the players you know nearby or around when that event hits. You want to make it a little bit more spooky. All right, you could you could have like an unexplained uh, event, or if if you want to make it more sour and dour, uh, you could take it was hit by raiders, or you know something something other than the kind of similar, I, I guess you know. So yeah, because as people sense. experience things, they assign a personality and assign uh, attributes, almost personality traits, to that location. You know, it's like how many of us is like if we had a great time in school and we go back to the place, you know, because our kids are going back there, and it feels all happy. But if you were a bully kid and you hated going there, and then you go back there like for a reunion, and it feels oppressive and closed because you know, of your memories there. I mean, all it is is a bunch of concrete blocks and chalk.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's a great topic for the next time we cover locations about how to. Kind of use those the, those ideas and histories to change the emotional weight, and, and how it can change in a campaign while you're playing, and so I, I think that's I think that's its own topic that we can get into. But what I really want to do is hear from our listeners about some of their favorite locations and games, either that they played or that they ran, and, and so. You know the drill. Find us on social media. Let us know what your favorite location in a game you've played in or run happens to be. Let us know if it was tied to a person, if it had a theme. Let us know what about it kept your attention and made it spring off the page or the table. In the meantime, like, rate, review, all of the jazz that's required in the social media age before we transition to our next topic
0: which is our lovely, lovely Dab Blocks.
2: System-neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event.
0: Okay. So, I choose... Go to Moshe.
2: Frank's Fresh Fruit. What's the best way to use this space? What can you see filling this, this empty storefront? A longtime anchor of the neighborhood, Frank's Fresh Fruit had been a little run down, but provided not only groceries and a selection beyond a bodega's offerings, but a real place, a third space, for neighbors to see each other and talk. Frank never had any children, and his slow decline was something nobody talked about. When he died, an entire community wept. The slightly rusted awning above the door soon overlooked a bed of flowers and remembrances. Frank seemed prepared for this passing. Uh, The will had provisions for what to do with whatever provisions were left in the store. That store provided for a block party, nearly awake to see him off. The mayor issued a proclamation honoring small businesses like Frank's and extolling the character of unique neighborhoods of the city. And you ended up in Frank's will. Why? You have the deed, and you have the keys. The door still squeaks a little when you open it, begging for oil. As you stand in the middle of the emptied store, you hear another creak. But it didn't come from the door.
1: Oh, uh, impressive sir impressive i like
2: it a lot of ways to use this a lot of possible places it goes but it's also about a place since we're talking about that today and i hope all of you can kind of see in your head uh, an image of this place and, and maybe that'll help inspire you using our suggestions today but in the meantime jules what you got
1: All right. Nearly a decade has passed since the research experiment began. A PhD student at the University of Hawaii submitted a thesis topic to understand the nature and the intelligence and the communication methodology of various species of octopi. The thesis topic was approved and a research team was formed. The researchers injected many species of octopi with the latest and greatest nanotechnology. The nanotech could perform various scientific experimental functions, receive new instructions, and broadcast information back to various multiple data collection relays deployed worldwide. It took a couple of months to gather data and even longer to interpret it. The initial results implied that the various octopus species used their chromatophores to communicate with non-hostile aquatic life. To confirm their hypothesis, the team also wanted to see if the octopi could communicate specific ideas and concepts. So they sent a command to the nanomachines to implant various concepts for the octopi to display using their chromatophores. Initial results appeared to be successful. The octopi began displaying a unique and consistent pattern of colors and shapes. So after a great run of successes, the research team wanted to really push the envelope to see if they can give the octopi ways to communicate with humans. So the team programmed the nanomachines to connect to the web's biggest communication sites, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and other various social networks and waited. And it worked, but not how the team hypothesized. About a year ago, a driver was checking on one of the submerged data relays when an octopus swam up. The diver reached out, played with it for a while, and patted the octopus on the head. The diver was then shocked to see the octopus uses chromatophores to display a smiley face emoji. A few crude hand signs, pantomimes, and shocked facial expressions later, the diver realized that the octopus understood and could communicate back. What has stunned the entire team was when, after realizing the data, the diver could understand, the octopus displayed a picture of Dathan and Jean-Luc Picard with the phrase, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Oh, crap, the head researcher commented. They're using memes and emojis. The past six months have been a whirlwind as various beachgoers and divers see octopuses displaying various memes and emojis to the humans visiting their aquatic homes. Everything from a laughing face emoji when a swimmer loses their trunks to a picture of a baby Yoda when being petted by a toddler who's meeting his first octopus. And the team has begun to see a darker side as well. A data relay in the Pacific Ocean recorded a bunch of octopuses displaying the angry face and poop emoji upon discovery of an illegal trash-dumping operation. The ship was discovered three days later, abandoned, and the dump trash was strewn all about the deck.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you. That is fun. I love uplifting things. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Ah, oh, that's cool. All right. Take us home. Okay. The klaxon started roaring for 20 seconds for 20 seconds. And then back on like that for 2 minutes. Then they went silent for 3 minutes and started up again. This goes on for 15 minutes. The length of time it takes to get from a working station to to your secure shelter in the structure then the whole world starts to shake and rumble as the structure starts to move from its current position on the ice shelf. Yes, the ice shelf. While climate scientists kept saying global warming was the worry, it was really just climate change. I know, I hear you ask. Is there a difference? Yes, there is. And it's incredible. one is about the climate only going in one direction, whereas the other is about it going in any direction. The structure was built to run on nuclear power. It needs to move, though, from time to time as the shell starts to get thin from the heat. This place is just one of a few such places, and we call this one New Detroit.
1: Nice. Slick, dude, slick.
0: So. All right, so... With those being said, as we usually mention, go check out the doobly-doo because in each of these we have included a couple of ideas of how you can use these in games if you don't already have one. So, but I think it's time to move on into our next segment. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions. With a bit of information about those words as well. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. All right. Indeed. So the word is shanty.
1: As in she or like town? Lean
0: to. Ah. There are two definitions. That we will cover this evening. Number one, it's a noun. Both versions are actually nouns. Uh, One is a variant spelling of chanty, which is a song sung by sailors in rhyme with their work. And then the other noun is a small and crudely built dwelling or shelter, usually for... Usually so, for who? Wood. You keep wood in it. It's a woodshed.
2: Well, Basic writing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, there's, there's, ah, there, there's, like, when shanty, you, you always kind of think there's a, oh, it actually fits very well with our topic. It, there's mm-hmm. a kind of like a feel and emotion that kind of goes with it.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, the history and etymology, this is where it gets kind of weird because it's nothing's definitive. There's no actual following the the word because it's probably French-Canadian um, and a chantier, which is a lumber camp, uh, and hut from French's... Uh, builder's yard or ways support for barrels. It's it's got this really weird kind of it's attached to lumber and the lumber trade.
2: Well now well, that also makes sense on how we'd end up getting it associated with sailing and with you know sailors always being associated with wood for the longest time and having mm-hmm. to you know, actually have shipyards and dry yeah. docks. So yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's, it's a strange one, um, and its first known use is 1820.
1: That oh, a lot of, That's pretty recent for yeah. compared to a lot of the etymology of a lot of our other words.
0: Yeah, and the lookup popularity is the bottom 40 percent of words. So it's down there, but. Uh, yeah, it's a. It was a when I when I first looked it up, I'm like, I know this word, and then I'm like, wait a second, there's this whole other really cool part that I didn't know about. So, yeah. So that's, yeah,
1: that's kind of awesome.
0: Yep, it made me happy. <laughs> it makes all of us happy. I think it's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and you know we have done. uh I think this is going to be, we're going to hit our closing remarks here and then we're going to get out of here.
1: Jules, what you got? All right. Um, I've been doing, I have been doing way, way too much video gaming and well, I'm picking, well, Halloween time. I was playing a lot of darkest dungeon and it is probably one of the coolest ways of playing a, a eldritch horror game because as you move your party through the dungeons not only do you have to worry about damage and monsters and, and you know being woken from the sleep you also have to worry about stress and giving your guys an affliction or disease you know okay. and it's it's beautifully dumb but the thing that I'm bringing it up now is just I realized how amazing there's an amazing mod community. For Darkest Dungeon, they have extra, um, uh, what do you got They they have like extra dungeons you can go to, extra areas. Uh, they've made different uh, types of characters um, that you could bring in. Uh, one of them is called the Sisters, which is like a it's a dual, like it's one body, two spirits, and you, the and you control which which of the sister, the warrior, the scholar's in in charge, and it's just and it's beautifully done. And I just recently found out that Darkest Dungeon 2 is in development and should be coming out sometime early next year. Oh, cool. And it's and the nice thing about it, it is actually a, from what I understand, you don't have to play the first one to understand the second one, but the second one is building off of, you know, the Hamlet in the first one. So, you know, if you're, if you're a good time for the, not like the jump scare spook, although sometimes you do get jump scared because they come out of nowhere. Uh, some of the monsters, but, you know, you get to feel that just, you know, the, the stre- with, they, with the stress mechanic, you actually feel stressed when, you know, one of your party gets stressed and you're like, oh, gosh, are they going to go, you know, like uh, get the negative affliction, which happens more often, or the positive. So, okay. try. I think you guys will enjoy it. That's cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Well... I'm going to go ahead. I have I have a double.
2: Oh, you cheated.
0: I did because I only put one in there, but I have a double. And one of them is I, the the main one I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about is uh, Doom Patrol for those who have not seen it. I'm not going to give you really any spoilers here, but it is a great example of supers. that are not really super.
1: But <laughs> like antihero kind of a thing.
0: No, they're like the B or C, maybe even D list heroes. They're not heroes. They're just people with powers. And not all of their powers are useful. They're just there. And the characters are what are really cool about this show. Also, because it's great that you get to see Brandon Fraser acting again. Because Brendan
1: Fraser. Yes.
0: And he is amazing. And I want to see more of him back acting. So it is amazing to see him. He plays um the brain in a in a body. It's a robot basically with a with his brain. Oh and, that man. huh? Robot man. Yeah. And It's, it's dark and creepy, but still really good. And yeah, I just, it's, it's been really fun to watch. And the second one, for those of you who follow the Seize the GM Twitter, you'll see that my wife said, are we getting this? This being the video game Cthulhu Saves Christmas.
1: Ooh, two Eldritch things. Well,
0: the funny part is is that this one is not Eldritch. It It is a JRPG where you're running around as Cthulhu, who has lost most of his powers, and you're slowly getting them back as you take on the people who have kidnapped Santa and are sending out anti-presence
1: <laughs> it sounds like goofy saves the world in silliness it is it is ridiculous
0: and it is fun and it is totally fourth wall breaking throughout the whole thing like it knows it's a video game and it's playing on the fact that it's a video game what systems is it out on uh i think it's on the switch and maybe on steam um but it is I know it's on Switch because that's what I've got it for. Um, and it was only like $10 on Switch. So if it's on Steam, it's not going to be that much. Awesome. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, I will check and see if it's on Steam or not. And I will put that link for all of the systems that it's on if it's on a bunch of different ones. Hooray. So, all right, Gardamogé, what you got? Naps.
2: Naps, Naps. Sleep. Oh,
1: nap. As in what the cat's doing on your keyboard, right?
2: Um, lap, but yes. Uh, <laughs> Life's busy and hectic. Stress from events small and large is adding up, and, and self-care is a good idea, especially ahead of this upcoming likely unique holiday season. Find some time for extra sleep and to shut your brain down and try to get an extra nap or two in, because you probably have not had as much good sleep as is recommended. That is most
0: likely true.
1: Darn Skippy. And then, before I forget, one, I just checked, it is on Steam, and it's by Z-Boyd, the guys that actually did Cthulhu Saves the World. Yeah. It's the same developer.
0: Yeah. And it is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's on Steam, it's on uh, PS5, it is on a uh, switch. Yeah, it's it's fun. Definitely need to to go check it out. But naps are super important. I agree. Oh heck yes. And And I wish I had more time to sleep, but I don't. <laughs> Though, since we're wrapping up, I might, as soon as we're done here, I might go and take a nap. Uh, For about seven hours.
2: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and the extra parts that we think are an added value here at Seize the GM. And so, until next time,
1: have fun, keep playing games,
2: and
0: roll some Dice. Dice. <laughs> you gotta stop doing that. Nope.
1: Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing your thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show.
2: In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social
0: media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
1: And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM.
2: And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links.
0: Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of
1: ownership. Once again, thanks to you our listeners
2: we hope you've gained some ideas for your ongoing games
1: or the inspiration of run you 1st Now get out there and play some games
2: roll some dice
0: be safe and you'll hear from us again soon